Hi and welcome. This is Buffering, an Alan Talks podcast with Esra Egin and Yorgos Kakouris. We're two Cypriots living and working in Lisbon and Brussels, bringing you dispatches from the alternate Cypriot universe. This week, we look at the worst year ever and how everything in the world in Cyprus will never be the same while seeming the same. This podcast is now funded by Big Pharma, certain Greek Cypriot supermarket, or French cuisine. Good afternoon, evening, whatever it is where you are. Hello, Esther. Hello, Jorgos. How are you? Are you tired of this year? I am so effing done with this year. <laughs> are you done with 2020? Is it time to move on? Yeah, I think it's time to move on. And um, I hope 2021 will treat us better because really 2020 was just a disaster. Personally, politically, everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, we will look back in 2010 where we where we started off, where we are now, uh, what might mean, what this might mean for the future. We might look into in a future episode next year. We'll try to uh, see you off with a bit of a stop taking at uh, at the year that. everything apart in the world and in Cyprus despite the fact that in Cyprus it's like things that are happening are really just showing things that we already knew just bigger just clearer yeah that's true that's true I mean we kind of knew where we were going and that's always the case with Cyprus you know you're heading towards disaster but like you don't do anything to stop that and you end up in in um, disaster <laughs> but well, we had plenty of surprises like the surprise of the elections this year the mm-hmm. surprise of the coronavirus and what it did and we, you mean the elections in the north yes the outcome the outcome <laughs> yeah. are you not surprised by that was it? i am um, i mean turkey prepared the beautiful surprise for us didn't it <laughs> And what are the surprises? The other surprise is that people would see checkpoints being closed and measures being imposed and not really caring that people yeah. would see Varosha being opened and shopping. Varosha opening, exactly. And also, and also not caring. You would see the government in the south really not selling doing passports, anything. Getting oh, well, caught. Selling, well, selling passports <laughs> is not a surprise. Getting caught is a Surprise. Yeah, getting caught part is a surprise. Big surprise. Yeah. Not not managing to pass a budget is also a surprise because that always happened because always uh, you manage to have Vico mm-hmm. get something in return to get give its vote. But this can still happen, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure they're negotiating now. They're negotiating now, and it's a big it's a big question how they're going to come about or whether they'll be able to fix things to get some of the other parties in favor. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the or even even yeah that's as far uh-huh. far cry far possibility but that could be possible mm-hmm. so they'll find a way yeah I uh, mean I really think the government should and Anastasiades should pay a price for what has been going on especially I mean you you know that this issue is very also personal for me because like my children could not get Cypriot nationality. Because uh, they are of a mixed marriage. In other words, my husband is from Turkey, and but but their mother is a Cypriot, and they are fully entitled to a Cypriot nationality, and they they were denied it. 
But uh, I am watching on documentaries that all sorts of people, criminals, autocrats, uh, all sorts of oligarchs, all sorts of people are getting the Cypriot nationality, but actual Cypriot children are denied it. So it's uh, it's infuriating, really. Um, so I really... You know what the lesson is? Watch the documentary. You know the process to get them citizenship now. If you know the <laughs> angels, you don't need God. You know how to go about it. You know how to contact. <laughs> yeah, but I would need a couple of million euros first, I think. <laughs> On the side. On the side. In the pockets. Side pocket somewhere. Yeah. And to know somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. To move and, up the and, and have red wine with Shiloris and. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big I, sacrifice. I don't know if I could do that part. <laughs> that's the last part that no one could actually do. You can do everything else, but then having to do that? that having to, that's a bit too much. To socialize with Silurius? I don't know if I would be able to I do don't that. know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's where my process could fail. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that we knew all about this scandal this process it was never coming out beforehand and at the start of the year we're still still at the case where the commission was occasionally complaining to us about it we're pretending nothing mm-hmm. was happening there were constantly stories from politics and from haravi trying to pointing out to the saudi arabian business person and the cambodians and the malaysian and all that and the government could just pretend i don't know but one thing that that the Al Jazeera video taught us is that people probably get interested and infuriated yeah. when they see things with their eyes. It was amazing that all exactly. the things that we saw in the video were not new. Exactly. But, but, but you see, when you happen. see it in, with your own eyes, exactly, that was shocking. Like, as you said, it was known, but I guess watching it is just, it's the, it's the shock that, you know, um, made the difference. And it, I have to say that this shows how important independent media is because, you know, it, we, we realize it in cases like this when media plays such an instrumental role in revealing such, um, scandals and corruption and, you know, things like that. So once again, you know, and I mean, Al Jazeera was attacked by multiple circles, but like, I really, um, appreciate and admire what they have done. Well, we should always remember that uh, everyone seems to know what journalists should do, but they're not aware that secret media are often connected with various places. And also, they don't have the money or the staff to do anything like this, anything close to this. Mm-hmm. This was an investigation that had a dedicated team, and there was someone whose job is to be undercover. Their job yeah. is to not be known who they are. Yeah. The woman who was part of this world, piece afterwards how she brought down the that's her job she's not a journalist who writes on camera Mm -hmm. we'll we'll never know her face exactly because of this yeah secret media are not even close to being able to do anything like this there's like one person covering three four things and what was done up to now was uh is good but the thing is it's not like secret media don't necessarily have the will to do things but they're behind the times Mm -hmm. they don't have the capacity to do something like this and Mm -hmm. it it was it was shown with Mm -hmm. the story 
Yeah, it could have easily been like Cypriot media doing this, but of course I can imagine it would have serious repercussions and it's a big risk and it's easier for like an international big media organization to do such things. It was it was awesome. It was one of the good few good things that happened in 2020, I would say. It was actually in the Cypriot context the only good thing that happened. The only good thing. Oh my to god. To be completely yeah. honest and leading Cyprus resignation that would yeah. be unthinkable getting the president of the parliament is I wonder if he can. still can have red wine <laughs> well I'm sure he does oh god I'm sure he's not feeling guilty there were stories about how he wants to go to court against the channel something like that he oh, I doesn't hope seem he does. to have learned much I would love to watch him lose and I'm sure he'll claim his um, his pension no yes yeah his pension yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because officials get multiple pensions Of course, but he served the state well, didn't he? I mean, he earned the state millions of euros, so... The big thing that happened that we were not expecting in January, and we're, uh, I think we have difficulty believing that it just happened without an overall shock in society. I, we used to believe that society would react, but it did to an extent, but I wasn't counting for the restrictions on protesting, dampening mm. everything down. Would you imagine that checkpoints could just close? No. And no I, one would actually protest properly. Yeah. I mean, we had a protest at the beginning, but then it's all, it just became, um, I mean, everybody was so scared of the virus that it became accepted. And uh, it's been really, it's unbelievable. It's been a year now where we have no checkpoints, almost a year. Uh, we have no crossings. We have no contact between the two communities. Unless somebody goes through the very torturous procedure of having tests every three days and crossing, but I'm seeing that nobody's really doing that. I mean, it's very rare for like someone to, people are not living like they lived last, the year before, like going back and forth between north and south, meeting friends in the north and the south and, you know, the interaction and every, we lost that. But I think it shows something else. It shows the the limited amount to which checkpoints and crossing and contacts were a part of everyday life, or to the extent that it was necessary. It was necessary and useful and desirable for us, like people mm -hmm. who have a reason to cross for work or because they have they happen to have gotten friends a, over a the life, years. A life on the but, other side too, yeah. But the problem is that for the majority of people that would only pass once or tourism in a way, for, uh, mm -hmm. for going to the beach, for going to shop something, for going to the casinos, for mm -hmm. getting gas from the gas station, yeah. or vice versa for, for Turkish tourists that would go to buy things from mm -hmm. the supermarket or... Alpha Mega. <laughs> yeah. That amount of... It wasn't central to them. It yeah, we can live without it. it we, yes, we it, it, it showed the ugly truth to an extent that we are still used to living without the other side because we don't have interaction. Yeah. If the situation had been different and we were at a federal solution the service problem had solved, it would have been a really different discussion. Maybe there would have been measures between districts and areas. Exactly. But like people would there have... were, yeah, like there were restrictions on Limassol and I think Larnaca was it, but like not closing crossing points between north and south. That's And like... there in Limassol and Paphos, you saw people that needed to go work. They needed to go see family. 
And you see it also between north and south. People, shippers living in Karpasia or the Maronite mm-hmm. in uh, the Maronite villages. There, there's exceptions, but it's such small numbers that they can complain. But yeah, the or majority the Turkish of the Cypriots people, who work in the south. Yes, yeah, there's the complaints from these groups that had started integrating, but the numbers are just not enough. We lost yeah. a lot of time and that wasn't built so that uh, when something like this happened, there would be a, a tribe lives from, would be from the people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now it's just some people's life got disrupted in the larger scheme of things. We've all had to deal with it. Exactly. And it's so sad. Like, you know, after years of advocating and working for like, uh, the communication, contact, dialogue between the communities, interaction, everything to see where we are now. It's like we've gone back to before 2003 when the crossing points were closed. Uh, closed. No, 2003 they were open. Before that they were closed. We've gone back to those days, and it's and it's really, um, it's 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 hurtful, you know. Um, yeah, and also part of the problem is that when the leaders had a chance to coordinate immediately, there were more interested in political games and that goes for both sides really more the greek Cypriot side but they were more interested in one-upping each other than sitting down and saying we are going to coordinate these measures from the get-go so that we have the exact same guidelines exactly but that's the general problem about the cyprus problem right i mean the intention is never to like sit down and solve something or reach a mutual agreement but to score to score a goal or like you know to score higher you know um so yeah that's why we don't get anywhere and that's why we saw tatar trying to undermine akinji before the elections with the whole discussion about the assistance from the south Mm -hmm. remember that and uh, that was another bad development of 2020 we've lost Probably the the most genuine, sincere, honest, uh, decent Turkish Cypriot politician who truly believed in a federation and who truly worked for it, um, Mr. Akanjub, we, we lost him. And we, we lost him in a very unfair and indecent way. We lost him through direct intervention by Turkey. They worked very systematically. Um, we talked about this, like especially during the second, the, the runoff elections. They worked with families originating from Turkey who had not showed up for the ballots in the first round. They went after them. They were all like 20,000 more people went to the ballot boxes in the second round and they all voted for Tatar. And Akunja still got 49%, which is, I, I see this as a huge success. But at the end of the day, he is no longer the Turkish Cypriot leader. We no longer have a leader who is insisting on federation, who is, um, you know, who cares about the dialogue and contact and communication and peace between the communities. And we have a Turkish Cypriot leader. Basically, who has the the mentality that Tenktash had, that, you know, we need to have two states, that TRNC should be recognized, that we cannot be friends with Greek Cypriots, that we cannot trust Greek Cypriots. So we've basically go, gone back to Tenktash years. After all the things the Turkish Cypriot community has done to get rid of Tenktash and his likes and the mentality, we are now 
back to that, exactly back to that. And it's... Um, but what I've seen, and it's a surprise for me, is a surprise is that when there were this time protests by the Turkish Cypriots against intervention, it's one of the few times where I saw the Cypriot, the Greek Cypriot media paying attention more to it than before and really starting to understand, you know, that the, the line with Greek Cypriots says, ah, well, it doesn't matter whoever's in charge in the north, Turkey pulls the strings anyway. But people are not stupid. They see the news, they saw the clashes between Akinji and Turkey. They can see that it makes a difference who yeah. is representing the Turkish Cypriots for the first time. Maybe maybe it's a bit too maybe it's a bit too late, but I'm not sure anything is ever too late. But I think it's a sh- it's a shift that's happening right now. Well I mean where you see it's... a different perspective from yeah. the South on, on this. I mean if this sort of an understanding is becoming more rooted and the Greek Cypriots are understanding better the dynamics in the Turkish Cypriot society and seeing that Turkish Cypriots still are protesting and going out on the streets despite the fact that they are like under this enormous pressure of of you know Turkey that's a big step you know we we need all the the empathy and understanding that we need in Cyprus because we, we lack it. We don't, the two communities don't understand the dynamics, the, the fears, the hopes uh, of, of, of each other. So it's, a, it's, if this has led to more understanding, then that's a good outcome, at least, you know. But now the question itself is, is whether there'll be, whether creepers will be the, like the example you brought up before when we were talking, like the frog that slowly boils, doesn't realize it's boiling, and then before it knows, it's dead. Yeah. That's been happening for, for a while, like, uh, especially yeah. Varosha was good illustration. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, there were yeah. plans and, and the statements and what we're going yeah. to do and how we're going to do it. It was laid out specifically, exactly yeah. how they'll exactly. go about it. You can see that turning out now. Nothing is unexpected. No. There's still ways to reverse it. But you had the government doing absolutely nothing for three years. Exactly. And after it came out, they had the audacity to come out and say... Uh, to journalists, what what could I have done without we haven't done? No, and the there problem were is that a lot that could have been done. Um, no, I mean, I always say this: like Turkey never engages in when it comes to the Cyprus problem. Turkey never engages in secret diplomacy. Turkey always says what it intends to do, but it seems that nobody really, like especially in the Greek Cypriot side, takes it seriously. Like it was. Remember the Cran Montana period, the negotiations for months. Yes, I'm still having Cran Montana. <laughs> I know, I know, my God. And trauma after trauma, come on, <laughs> have mercy. They were saying again and again and again, this is the last chance for a federal solution. And we were like, yeah, right. <laughs> what are you going to do? And now we are seeing that they sit down with the UN senior representative, high-level representative, loot, and they tell her, we no longer are, you know, going to sit at the table for federation. We are going to only sit at the table for a two-state solution. So they did exactly what they said they would do. The same thing for hydrocarbons. They said they were going to come into the waters around Cyprus and drill, and they are doing that. It is the same with um, Varosha. So they actually, like, they say what they will do but like nobody does anything to stop or to 
negotiate or engage in dialogue or you know change the course of things we are just frogs we are just boiling in the in the pot (laughs) and we're doing nothing well you know what boiling in the pot is it's french cuisine now french are our friends (laughs) and they help us they'll help us go against turkey so maybe that uh we learn how french cuisine is made but what you said i'm not sure (laughs) it's important to distinguish sometimes a thing between they say what they want to do what the plan is what their approach is that doesn't mean they'll get to do it but it's a thin distinction and sometimes it gets misunderstood and we say ah it's a bluff bluff is a very different thing they might say they want to push for a two-state solution but it's not feasible in the sense that we think it is and all the pieces of the puzzle are there at what they want to promote they want to they want to um, put it on the table create a shock in a different situation and put for a more confederal situation where the federation is much much looser and more prone to falling apart that doesn't mean they'll get to what they want to do but so like you said it was all there from the beginning the plan i'm not sure that's the intention though like i think even confederation is a very optimistic idea for us right now like i think by through steps like um drilling you know in the the waters around cyprus opening varosha uh, advocating a two state solution which will at the end of the day lead to probably no negotiations and what this will take us de facto is actually partition like which is a two state solution solution in quotation marks by by keeping the situation as it is and even making it worse with steps like opening varosha that's actually what they're achieving right yeah like confederation would be in our good dreams i think it seems like it's the thing that anyone would want to gain right now and it's a pity because everything else was there for the taking it was in Crown Montana, everything was on the table and we just left it there and we came back to Cyprus and and look at where we are now, yeah, more than three years on. The final hopeful thing is that now when it comes to facing the coronavirus and the vaccines coming, etc., uh, it was stated intention by the South to order vaccines also for the North and they have and they're coming. The question is whether they'll be able to coordinate, but that's a really important message. <laughs> is Tatar going to accept the vaccines from the, or our new legendary foreign minister, Tahsin Erturululu, who is... But, uh... Yeah, remind me about it, because <laughs> I've, I've heard so many stories. Oh my God, well, he is like the most uh, extreme right-wing, hawkish like politician um, who never believed in a solution, never trusted a single Greek Cypriot in his life, never believed there could be peace on the island. Um, he's the, the legendary foreign minister of Denktash, right? And he was in... He, he has a funny story. Tenktash sent him to the Copenhagen summit during the Annan plan negotiations right before the referenda to, to finalize the Annan plan and to make sure that the referenda take place before the accession of Cyprus into the EU so that there could be solution before the accession. And he effing locked himself in his hotel room. He did not come out of his hotel room and join a single meeting. And Alvaro de Soto, the um, United Nations Secretary General's um, special advisor on Cyprus of the time, 
Mr. DeSoto was like knocking on his door and he would not even breathe. Like he pretended he is dead in that room and he did not. And then he boarded the plane when the, the summit was over and he flew back to Cyprus. And what happened was that because of his behavior, of course, these were all court. I mean, it was Denktash's orders. Because of this summit and what did not happen there, the referenda did not take place in time for Cyprus to be able to join the EU as a united island. It, the referenda happened after Cyprus joined, where the Greek Cypriots had no incentive or motive to vote yes anymore. So it gave yeah, a different his, weight. It gave a different weight to Tasha's arguments. So people yeah. were more willing to yeah to go exactly. for what seemed like, certain than what seemed uncertain and uh, you know carry this in his um memoirs where the the book by niazi kuzulurek which is made uh, like um composed of his interviews with clearly he says denktash actually we need to build a statue of denktash because he handed us eu uh membership in a golden platter like we did not have to like do anything to to you know stop Turkish Cypriots for you know he handed it to us and it's true so yeah so the guy who locked himself in his hotel room in Copenhagen and in the beginning of uh, 2000s is now back in the seat of foreign minister so maybe here there's a key to what can cause optimism maybe we should try to close with a bit of that because look on one side you have these you can call them clowns if you want. I, I would not tell you to do that because it's your representatives. They're not that my representatives. Are not, that, yeah, they're not <laughs> I, am, I am pretending they don't exist. Like not my president. It's like <laughs> not my president. <laughs> it's like you have the team that you cannot expect them to actually be successful in what they do. They've left it all up to Turkey. And if for example now uh the vaccines come and Tatar or uh, Saner refuse to receive the vaccines, they cannot yeah. do that. There's a, there's a limit to what they can do. Well, uh, they can say no, we are receiving vaccines from Turkey. Turkey is sending us the vaccines. We don't need your vaccines. But then you Rem- could have remember Kyrenia Mountains uh burnt for days in flames. And Denktash refused the help from the Greek Cypriot side. This is not, was, I, this would not be surprising for me. But then you might have people on the streets because this is life and death and there's vaccines just coming and people waiting to give them to you. So you never know. So I'm, I'm banking see. on the incompetence of these people to okay. throw things apart. That also goes for the South and the whole situation with the, with the, the golden passports and the way that the system has managed to completely undermine itself with how it's become instead of a, clearing up the name of the country and ending the thing and putting people in jail. Instead, it's becoming a party politics thing where Ethico is blocking the uh, the budget to appear that they're, to give the impression that they're fighting for anti-corruption. DC is not wanting to give evidence to the Auditor General because they want to hide some things under the rug. So things are falling apart. And when things are falling apart, it's both dangerous, but also is when things can Yeah, okay. Can well, come you up are again. the eternal optimist. I am not that optimistic, but let's see where 2021 will take us with uh, the d- dream team in the North and uh, the golden team in the South. Very good. Very, very good step <laughs> wrapping up of the situation. The golden team and the dream team. <laughs> That's what we're going to call them from now on. Okay. 
So this was buffering with Esra from Lisbon. And Diargos from Brussels. Take care. Have a, as, as happy a holiday as you can in the circumstances. Enjoy your family and your friends to the extent that you can. Use Zoom a lot. Call people. Yeah. Have some food. Get drunk. And see you next year. See you next year. <laughs> get vaccinated and wear your fucking mask. And cover your fucking noses. And you ingrates, cover your fucking nose. <laughs>